Here we are. Our afternoon session. And we'll try to have less talking, more practicing. So we won't go on too long. I don't want to bore you. Honestly, meditation's got to be the most boring activity there is, right? I can't think of anything much more boring. And wait until you see the walking meditation. Talk about boring. All you do is walk back and forth. And you don't even get to do it quickly. It has to be stepping right. Honestly, I can't think of... If we were trying for something more boring, I don't know how successful it would be. I'm not joking, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's, it's actually true, but that's actually the point. See, meditation may be boring, but it doesn't make you bored. Just like loud, make, loud noises, don't, don't, they may be scary, but they don't, they're not what makes you scared of loud noises. Spiders don't make you afraid of spiders. Meditation doesn't make you bored. It doesn't make you bored of meditation. Our boredom comes from somewhere else. So the, the purpose of meditation is to, uh, to face the, to face the, the problems that, that we have in our minds. To face the boredom. Boredom is a very good example. Boredom is a catch-all phrase for inability to uh, to sit with or to stay with what is. Boredom is the impetus to find something you don't have. It's discontent, rasantuti. Given a person who is happy be sitting still and a person who is bored and needs entertainment, the person who is happy sitting still is is far more be far better off. For them, it doesn't matter what they have; it doesn't matter what they experience. So, meditation on purpose is difficult. On purpose, it confronts you with things you don't want to see. Does anyone, do you, do you know what boredom is? I'm not saying no one here does, but it's a question we should ask ourselves. Boredom is a good example. Do you know what boredom is? I'd say probably not for most people. It's very difficult to see what uh, these, what things like boredom actually are. You can say, I'm bored. What does that mean, really? What's really happening? You may not be able to explain it to me, but you can certainly find out for yourself. I don't need you to come back and tell me it's like this, like this, like this, but you can certainly see more than just bored. What's happening? What does it mean? Because it's also possible to say sitting in meditation is the most peaceful thing in the world. 
I can't think of anything more peaceful. You see? Oh, how can it be the most boring thing and the most peaceful thing? Let's even say it's the most wonderful thing in the world. You could even say it's the most exciting thing in the world. How can that be? No? Some people, when they hear about meditating, they think, wow, that must be wonderful to be so peaceful, to not have any thinking or worrying, or uh, to not have your mind playing games with you and torturing you, to not have to worry and stress about the world, to just go off in nature and be happy. Wow, what an escape, no? It's very peaceful. But it's not sitting still that makes you peaceful. It's something else. You see, these are qualities of the mind. Everything is what you bring your or what you bring to the experience. The only reason meditation is boring is because you are inclined to be bored. You are addicted, actually. Boredom is caused by addiction. What happens, I can explain basically how it, things like addiction happen, is you experience something and because of the excitement that arises in it, in regards to it, the mind imprints in the brain, right? or you know, the mind-brain, there, there's an imprint made somewhere, like an echo, or like a, a shout, let's say. And that shout has its echo. So then you'll be sitting peacefully somewhere and hours later and suddenly you think of that. Oh, remember that thing that made me happy? It happens, it really happens. Sit still in meditation, you'll see. Start thinking about that, yes. And you want to get it. So it starts with this, this echo. And if you're inclined to follow the echo, then you shout again. You go and get what you want again, and it's like another shout. And then it keeps echoing, and it gets louder and louder as you get more inclined towards it. And this is how addiction is formed. So when you sit down and meditate and say, no, I'm not going to follow after these things I want, your mind is shouting at you. You hear all these echoes, ah, I want this, I want that. That's what boredom is. It's actually, you're actually not bored, you're, 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 you're uh, addicted to something. Your mind is uh, looking for something. The boredom is just a name for uh, discontent. It's not actually boring to sit still. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing bothering you. There's no one hitting you. And there's no one shouting at you. But the reason why a person meditates in peace is because their mind is at peace. Their mind is no longer shouting. They've change this habit in the mind, so that when they experience things, they don't imprint it, they don't shout. When you taste something delicious, you're just tasting it. And so there's no imprint made, there's no echoing in the mind later on. There's nothing boring intrinsically about sitting here. This should be the most wonderful thing in the world. 
you don't have schoolwork, you don't have a boss telling you what to do, or a, a husband or a wife, or children yelling at you, or parents yelling at you, friends pushing and bullying you, you don't have the stresses of society, you're not fighting in a war, or how wonderful this is this just sitting in a room alone, too. sitting in a room quietly. You compare this to the rest of the world. Think how the world is running right now. Politicians are yelling at each other and scheming and business people are cheating each other and you know, hoarding wealth and so on. Soldiers are preparing for war and Terrorists are plotting uh, horrible acts. There are murderers and thieves and all sorts of evil, nasty people out there and lots of crazy things going on. There are religious wars. There is religious um, fighting and plotting and scheming and, and lying and cheating even. People who... Well, their only reason for being religious is so that they can get people to follow them and have power and so on. But we have none of that here. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to indoctrinate you all. I'm not here. Believe me, I'm just telling you what's going on here. I'm like the commentator. Oh, and she's sitting still. And now she's still sitting still. This is all there is. So I think it's something that we should reflect upon even before we meditate is how how meaningless a lot of the the the, the things that we engage in in the world are how we don't need any of it. We don't well, look at all of us. We may have very different ideas about what is right and wrong. We may be uh, headed in very different directions. We may even be politically <coughs> align, uh, con contra contrary to each other, and so we may be of different religions and different beliefs. But we've, we've, we have none of that here. Nobody is proselytizing to anyone else. We're sitting quietly. We're being humans. We're, we're being. We're just being. We're not being anything. We're not pretending to be something. We don't have to act something out. Why this, I think, is important and worth going on, it's not just because... not, not, not talking about being bored anymore. Now we're talking about... I mean, I, I want to impress how... how simple life can be. We don't really need to play games or um, live up to someone's expectations. It's not likely that you can bring this situation out into the world, but it's food for thought for us to see how we can transform the world into this, how we can bring things like this to the world. 
because we can. We did. Look. <laughs> Look at what we did. We got how many people here? Thirty people at least. We're sitting together in a room quietly together. This is, I, th I think, something worth, well, for sure, something worth keeping, something worth protecting. This, this thing that we have and that we're, we're cultivating here is something we shouldn't take for granted. I know all of you who have come from Sri Lanka, most of you who come from Sri Lanka, don't take it for granted. Because you come here and you say, uh-oh, <laughs> there's no Buddhism here. And you realize that some, somehow how wonderful this thing that we, that we were given and has been passed down to us generation after generation by meditators. We, we're, we, we've built this now. We're putting this together. Something that is quite precious. But we have to do the work. There's no question that... Uh, it's not going to come by itself, and it's not going to come just because we work uh, you know, to support the center or we work to uh, organize things. It's only going to come if we ourselves meditate. The only way, and I say this from experience, not just from ideology, the only way you can protect the meditation center is if people are meditating. And you can't destroy a meditation center if people are meditating. It's a very powerful thing. The more uh, harmonious people's practice is, the stronger it gets. I've seen what looks to be people trying to destroy meditation centers, and it's interesting to watch because they can't do it. It appears to be. I, don't, I mean, I don't have proof or anything, but some of the things I've seen sort of indicate that people who are maybe jealous or, or yeah, for whatever reason. Uh, lots of interesting reasons. But it doesn't work. It, it works or it doesn't work depending on the people, depending on us. Um, our, our center here can't survive without meditation. And it's something maybe we overlook. We think, well, it can't survive without support in this way or that way, but meditation? Well, what's the, how's it going to help? It helps in, in every single way. It helps the board of directors to get along. It helps the meditators to, uh, to feel comfortable, to progress in their practice, and to spread a good word about the place. It helps with our neighbors, it helps with even the spirits. Well, if you believe in spirits, then the uh, empirical evidence suggests that they're happier when people are meditating. If you believe in them. If you don't believe in them, then it's all just whatever. We'd have to do a study on it. We'd have to find some objective way. Anyway. This is always the exciting thing of coming to a new place because you get to uh, interact with, you know, you get to leave your imprint and 
on the angels, on the spirits, on, on the neighbors, on the community. I heard some very interesting news that the resort out at the front, just by chance, one of the people coming here happened to drive into the resort thinking it was the road and uh, started talking to the owner and the owner said, and said, oh, they're looking, there's a med new meditation center in the area and the owner was was um, shocked and, and said, I've been looking for a meditation center for a long time now. <laughs> she said, I was going to go, to, to go far away to, to pay money for a course or something. <laughs> now she has one just up the road. We can't go by by strange coincidences like this, even though they're wonderful. Nothing is meant to be. I don't believe in that. I believe we've worked for what we've got. And I believe that there's a lot of things that can and will go wrong because of the things that we've done to make them go wrong that we maybe don't even remember or didn't even realize we're going to have those results. So it, it's entirely up to us whether we're going to make this place succeed. Anyway, that's a little bit far from the point of actually meditating, but the point is there that why, what is the most important support for this place? It's the meditation. It doesn't even matter if you come here. If you are happy about this place and as a result you meditate, then you've done your job supporting. If you meditate at home, you're supporting this place. It means this place is, has some purpose. That because of this place, more people are meditating. That is an incredible support for us. That's a. Uh, it's proof that we're you no know, uh, case study, for example. Or how do you say? Uh, it's a witness. Is that the right word? You become a witness when people ask. You know, well, there's this. There's these guys living out in the forest there. I wonder if they're bunch of freaks or what. No, but then you hear that your neighbors are are going there to practice and say, yes, yes, I've been there and I started practicing meditation and it's helped me a lot. It's this kind of thing that keeps the momentum and keeps, or at least keeps the equilibrium, keeps us, keeps this thing that we have alive and going. It's not, we don't have to worry about the center. This is the thing you don't have to worry, is it going to run, is it going to be a problem? All you have to do is, is to meditate. Everything else comes by itself. If we, if we are strong in the practice as a community, you know, and the more people who are strong, this is, I've seen them empirically, some of the places in, in Asia that, uh, how big and strong they get, no matter what problems come and how much how many terrible things happen. I've seen monks fist fighting. I've seen such crazy things. Far worse things that I can't even talk about. <laughs> but, but they never destroy the place because there are people meditating. And those people aren't phased by any of it. The power of the community is, is in the meditation. So, this is what we're here to do. Now, 
something more has to be said about that, exactly what I mean by, by, by meditation, because it doesn't just mean uh, doing formal meditation sessions. It certainly doesn't just mean coming once a week to our meditation groups or uh, even just coming, coming in the evening to the, the chanting or so on and doing meditation. It doesn't even mean doing a daily meditation at home. It means well, it, it, it means using using the meditation uh, as a tool. A person can sit in meditation for one hour, two hours, three hours, but if they're not really using, the, if they're not really meditating, you see, like I was talking about this morning, it really is, the, the sitting part is meaningless. Meditation is something, is, is a tool that you have. It's a, a me way of approaching experience. Experience happens every moment. We're all experiencing right now. How many of us are meditating? Right. That's not, I'm not scolding you for it, but it makes you, when I say that, it makes you think. Right here you can meditate. Do you feel pain? Well, instead of moving right away, look at the pain. Meditate on the pain. Do you feel bored? Look at the boredom. Answer this question that I had. What is boredom? I don't have to tell you. I gave you my theory already. It's not the important point. What is boredom? Do you feel tired? Do you feel stressed? Do you feel distracted? You're thinking too much. And it doesn't have to be here either. This is something you can do anywhere. Why I'm talking about boredom is because one of the one of the young people, no names mentioned, said that meditation is boring, something like that. Maybe not exactly. But the fact that you have boredom in your mind means that you're not happy. That's not a good thing. Now, you're not going to be able to live your life so that you don't meet with things that are unpleasant, right? I'm sorry, but your, your parents, your teachers, nobody's going to give you a tool that stops these things from happening so that eventually you can be clever enough not to have to come to uh, meditation sessions ever again. You may be in a position where someone brings you to listen to a meditation, a talk about meditation again. So, uh-oh, you're going to get bored again. You can't escape, as I was talking about last night, you can't cover the earth with leather, but you can wear sandals. So, I mean, you can change your mind. Do you understand that, Christina? Can you cover the earth with leather? But if you could, then there'd be nothing sharp to step on, right? But what would be easier? Wearing shoes. So what does that mean about the mind? Can you change the world so that you never have to meet with bad things, unpleasant things? But can you change your mind so that you don't, aren't bothered by them? Yes. This is what it means. So we turn the tables on ourselves. We say, no, I'm, 
I understand the solution isn't to escape the situation. The solution is to overcome the situation, to neutralize it. A knot is only a thread, right? There's no difference between this when it's tied or this when it's not tied in a knot. And all of our problems are like that. I'm bored. Do you know that boredom's actually nothing? It doesn't really exist, it's just the mind. You're in pain. You're in pain is an interesting one because there's nothing in the pain that says it's yours. There's nothing in the pain that's, that, that, that says it's bad. There's nothing in the pain that says it's a problem. Scientists will tell you that pain came up as a means of warning us um, that we were in danger of, of that we had to take care of our, uh, take care of something. Nothing's going to happen to you if you sit here and, and watch the pain. So our body gets things wrong sometimes. There's, when you have pain in the back, it doesn't mean that you have to straighten your back right away. When 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 you have pain, when someone hits you and you have pain, that you know there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to do anything. The pain's going to go away eventually. It's a biolo you know scientists will say it's a biological response that's supposed to tell you something to, to give you a warning. Like when you touch fire and it hurts, it's a warning not to touch fire, because that's going to hurt you. So that, that, that's good pain. That's in a sense, oh yes, don't do that again. But if someone hits you, well, what's the point of crying about it? It's not going to... What's the point of being upset about the pain? There's nothing you can do about it. If you're suffering from sickness, uh, the pain can be a reminder biologically to tell you, oh, you have to take care of your body. But I'm not totally convinced. The, a, a lot of the responses that would come up from pain, for example, are actually aggravate the situation, right? If you have the pain and then you, you mess with it, right? If you have a sprain or something and you start messing, the more you mess with it, the worse it gets. So they put you in a cast, it's better, right? If you break, break your bone, the pain is not going to help you. It's not going to, oh, something you can do to fix it. It'll just make it worse. When you have uh, pain in the back, people always want to stretch it out, which actually aggravates it. This is empirical because when you sit in, med when you sit in meditation and actually acknowledge it, more and more and more pain, it gets sharper and sharper, and you don't move and you start shaking, and then it disappears. I used to joke with people, my students in Thailand, they would come to Thailand to get this wonderful Thai massage. Has anyone here ever had a Thai massage? Thai massage, I've, I've never had a Thai massage either. They're apparently one of the most painful things you can go through. <laughs> and so some of my students come for, for Thai massages, some of them come to train as Thai massages, and uh, they'll, they'll tell me, the ones who are training will tell me that, you know, you, it doesn't really make the, the problem go away. It doesn't really solve the problem. This is why, you know, Thai masseuses don't go to business. This is why there are still Thai massage parlors. 
you know, if they could really solve the problem, there would be no need for them. But they'll tell you, yeah, the person who gets the Thai massage has to come back every week. Which kind of tells you something about... Oh, it's pretty tricky, especially having to go through all that pain every week. So what I tell them is, this is the best Thai massage you'll ever have. <laughs> Sitting still with the pain. That's a good analogy because they don't want, they, they say, Why, what, are you crazy making me sit through the pain? What, are you crazy taking a Thai massage? This one actually works. Why does it work? Why does it work better than having a Thai massage? Because it has nothing to do with the body. It affects the mind. Why do you need a massage? Why are your shoulders tense? It's because of the mind, because of tension. The body doesn't get tense by itself. The mind makes the body tense. When I, when I started meditating my, shoulder, meditating, my shoulders were very tense. There was incredible pain in my shoulders, and all down my back as well. You know, you try to shift and you try... I've never had that problem since. No, since after meditating, I've never had that kind of tension in, in, in my shoulders again. It really is, um, you know, I don't have to, well, I suppose I do keep meditating, so, but uh, the pain doesn't come back, you see. I, I, don't, I don't need to pay money for a Thai massage, I don't need, I don't need therapy. So, the meditation can be used in any situation. The, 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 the other thing, it's, it's not just as a cure for bad things, it's as a response or as a solution to, to any situation. How does that work? Because every situation that you're in ultimately boils down to experience. Whatever problems you have on a um, fundamental level just boil down to experience. People are, are, are worried about, you know, how, how we get worried about, about our problems in life. You know. Oh, I'm worried about my job, or I'm worried about my education, or I'm worried about my family, or I'm worried about this or that. I mean, they don't really, these problems don't really exist. They're temporary things that arise and, and, and cease. The human, the whole human life is a very brief experience that we have. And so we, we the, the, the idea that these are problems is, 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 is misleading. It, it creates in us some kind of uh, a misunderstanding about reality, and that's why we, we, we get into such a knot because of it, why we can't solve our problems, why we wind up worrying and stressing about so many different things and actually spoiling them, actually ruining, we can ruin our relationships, we can ruin our uh, careers, our education, Students who burn out, um, employees who burn out, employers, people. This, 
syndrome of burning out comes from spoiling things, from not seeing what's really there, from building up problems, creating problems for yourself. When you do, so when you do a job, for example, whatever job it might be, it doesn't mean you sit there and you say, oh, this is experience, I'm just going to sit there and do nothing. It means that when you do it, you, you, you experience it. So you don't get upset about it, you don't get bored by it, you don't get frustrated by it, you're not worried about it. All of, none of these things help you get your job done. It's a fallacy. People think that stress helps you study, for example. Uh, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure I've read studies that, that, that say otherwise, but it, it's absurd to think that, that somehow stress could make your mind more, um, more receptive to information. S stress... Uh, stops blood flow. No? It inhibits blood flow. The brain doesn't work at its optimal state when you're stressed. In fact, it's incredibly suboptimal. I'm going to tell the story that I've told a thousand times. When I, before I started meditating, I was in university, and I got like B's and C's and maybe the occasional A minus. Which wasn't bad, you know, it was all passing. But then I went away to meditate and I came back to the university. And I'll never forget that year. I really was in a zone with the meditation. I had 11 courses in one year and I got 9 A pluses, 1 A, and an A minus for the whole year. I was in a Sanskrit, a class with Sanskrit. Half the people, half the people dropped out. And I think only a few of us passed the course. I got like a 95, something like that. It's not bragging, it was so easy when the mind was not stressed. I went into the Sanskrit exam like, okay, this is fun. Other people were so afraid they were going to fail, which certainly doesn't uh, increase your chances or help your chances. So people who think that, oh, if you, if you don't stress, if you don't worry about these things, they'll all fall apart. It's actually, it's actually a fallacy. It's, it's, a mis it's, it's a misunderstanding of reality, both of what is real and of the, how, how we should interact with that reality. That stressing doesn't actually make your problems better. It increases your problems. It multiplies them. When you're worried about something, you get caught, you get hooked into it. And you wind up fretting with it. Well, look at how people deal with their children. When you, when you worry about your children, if you watch, well, as I, as I do from the outside, parents who worry about their children and are always poking their children and prodding their children and worried that my child is going to turn out bad, they're the more often the ones that turn out bad. It's almost, you could say, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Lao Tzu said, when you're frying a fish, you don't poke it. You, you have, life is like this. The more, you, the more you flip the fish and poke it and prod it, it eventually falls apart. I don't know why he used a fish, but it's, <laughs> fish are kind of like that. Life is like that. Life is, is a, a dance. You can't force life. Everything in, inside us and in the world around us is 
un uncontrollable, non-self. This is the meaning. It's impermanent. It's incapable of satisfying you. You can't cling to it and say, that's going to satisfy me, that's going to be my happiness. The more your happiness depends on impermanent things, the more suffering you have. So, meditation is something that we have to bring into these situations, we have to bring into our lives, right now. Right now, are you mindful? Do you know what's going on inside? What's going on inside? Don't tell me. Ask yourself. Ah, you see, there's some things you didn't realize. You didn't even know what you were doing. Mind wanders. And we think that's cool. We think that's fine. You know, your mind wanders and you get to zone out for a while until you actually look and see what's going on and you realize, oh, this is a cause for quite a bit of stress for me. This is why I'm tired. This is why I'm burnt out. Oh. You realize that actually awareness, clarity of mind is actually more peaceful. It's funny, you know, we're always taught that the best thing is if you could just lie, lie around all day and do nothing. That would be the best. It's actually not. It's actually incredibly stressful. If you've ever tried lying around you know, people in hospitals, for example, <laughs> oh, it's horrible having to lie there for days. But that's exactly what we think. We want to do, just, just let me lie around and do nothing all day. It's terrible. We think that if you didn't have any responsibilities, everything would be fine, because most of our responsibilities are, turn out to be uh, inconsequential. Because the only responsibility we really have is to know what we're doing to be uh, aware in this situation. So this meditation that we're doing today should just be a training so that we can take it into our lives and use it when things go bad and use it when things go good so that we don't get upset about the bad and we don't get attached to the good so that we're free from the the bonds to, to things, the, the requirement or the need for things, the need for certain experiences, so that our happiness doesn't depend on this or that, so that we can fly free like a bird without any need for anything, without clinging or, or depending on anything. Anisito Javiharati. We can dwell in the world independent. Not clinging to anything in the world. This is what the meditation is. So these four things that I taught you this morning, Kaya, Vedana, Chitta, Dhamma, don't forget them. Take them with you and I guarantee that they are the core of practical Buddhism. Body, being mindful of the body, feelings, thoughts and emotions and senses, being mindful of all these things. Use this tool, this tool that has now been ratified by uh, the business world as well. They say, oh, it works. That you can just remind yourself, pain, pain, or if you're unhappy, unhappy, unhappy. If you're sad, say sad, sad. 
we now have people saying in, in, in the uh, business world that this works. It makes you more productive, they say. And it certainly does. Once you have an objective awareness of things, all of your problems untie themselves as though they were never there. So, as I promised, I'm not going to talk too much. I think that's enough talking. We're here till four today, so um, that's just an artificial time. It doesn't really mean anything at all. Uh, I suppose we should have done some chanting this morning. We didn't, did we? Uh, well, why don't we do chanting now then? Uh, we'll do the first part of the chanting, and then we'll meditate until four, and then at four we will do the closing chanting. How do you do? Okay. Patangan. All right. That's it. Oh, we can we can record the chanting. No? Okay. Let's go. We should light some. Do we have Buddha puja? Do we have the? Someone can someone make something. And Radhika brought her datu. Yeah. For this five minutes, you can just watch it. No, I don't need it. It's YouTube. <laughs> People are happy because it's like reality TV. Live from, no, not live. So for those of you who, who, who didn't think you'd get, you'd have to be, you'd be forced into doing chanting, you don't have to chant. This is optional. Um, chanting is just a means of recollecting and a means of formalizing what we do. It's not, we're not trying to no, we're certainly not trying to uh, convert anyone, <laughs> so, so please don't take it like that. It's something we like to do, and that's all. If you don't like to do it, don't do it. It's nothing to us, and it's certainly not the core of what we're doing here today, but it's remembering the Buddha, remembering his teachings, remembering our teachers. You never have to go around, just put it on. Everyone can just say sad. Sad. Another thing about the chanting is it's a means of uh, dedicating merit, which we'll do at the end. Um, so that's another, it's just a, this is just a ceremony. Thank you. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa
namo tassa bhagavato samma sambuddhassa niti piso bhagavarahang samma sambuddho vinjacharana sampanno sugato lokavidu anuttaro purisadamma sarati sakta devamanusanam buddho Bundang jivitang yavanimbanang saranang gachami Yeja bundha atita cha yeja bundha anagata Pachupanna cha ye bundha hang vandami sambandha Nati me saranang anyang bundho me saranang varang Etena satcha vajena hotume jayamangalang Uttamangena vandehang padapang suvaruttamang Kalitodo so buddho kramatutangamang Svakato bhagavata dhammo sandiptiko akaliko Ehi pasiko opanayiko pachatang veditambo vinyuhiti Tammang jivitang yavanimbanang saranang gachami Yeja dhamma atita cha yeja dhamma nagata Pachupanna cha ye dhamma hang vandami sambada Nati me saranang anyang dhammo me saranang varang Etena satcha vajena hotu me jaya mangalang Uttamangena vandehang dhamman chativitang varang Dhamme yo kalito doso dhammo kamatutang mamang Supatipano Bhagavato Savaka Sangho Ujupatipano Bhagavato Savaka Sangho Nyaya Patipano Bhagavato Savaka Sangho Samiji Patipano Bhagavato Savaka Sangho Yalidang Chattari Purisayugani Atta Purisapungala Esa Bhagavato Savaka Sangho Ahuneyo Pahuneyo Dakineyo Anjali Karaniyo Anottarang Punyaketang Lokasati Sanghang Jivitang Yavanimbanang Saranangachami Yeja Sangha Atitaja Anagata Pajupanna Jaya Sangha Ahang Vandami Sambhanda Nati Me Saranang Anyang Sangho Me Saranang Varang Etena Satcha Vajena Hotu Me Jaya Mangalang Uttamangena Vandehang Sangha Sanghe yo kalito doso sangho kamatutang namang 
ตัมมิเจติยังสัมบังสัมปทานิสุปฏิปทิตังสาริริกตาตุมหาโบดิงบุญรูปังสกลังสดาเยสมุเลนิสินโนวะสัมบาริวิจยังกะปะโทสัม